0: everybody, welcome to the Agios Dose. My name is Bill Dijkstra. So, for the past year, we have dedicated our programming to cover our Greek Catholic calendar of saints. So, if you're new to the podcast, if this is your first time listening, that's what we do here. And uh, it was kind of difficult at times, yet I've personally learned a lot. I've come to know some new inspiring people uh, that I can pray to. And I've gained some new perspectives on some, you know, saintly characters that I've known for a while. This is a function of this podcast, the Agios that will continue. However, I'm also expanding the scope here. And this is our first episode. That is, you know, is just a topic and is just my opinion. But it it is a topical topic. So first, I wanted to offer some explanations on how I've been going about this. Certain things that I've done have been. Done in a calculated way, uh, but I'm beginning to adjust those calculations. When I first set out on this project, I wanted to avoid, you know, kind of service to my ego. The truth is, I'm annoyed with, you know, certain cults of personality that people establish online. Um, There are many Catholic talking heads that have no original thoughts or opinions, they just have a persona they market. They take on whatever popular position there may be, so as to keep themselves in the limelight. I simply wanted to provide a service. I wanted to avoid all that nonsense. Um, Yet I think, in order to be successful, you kind of need to stick your neck out. You know, I think you need to put some skin in the game. Though my intentions were not, you know, terrible, um, I think my ex ex execution was maybe a little lacking. So, like a 90s sitcom nerd looking for a date, I'm taking the advice to simply be myself. (laughs) I have opinions that, at times, run counter to what I like to call pop Catholicism. Yet, don't get me wrong, I adhere to all the teachings of the church and all that good stuff. I simply have criticisms for how we live out the faith at times. Uh, You might agree, you might disagree. At any rate, I'm going to stop there before I get too far up my own butt and i'm going to share you my opinion anyways here's today as a topic it's surrounding church closures and the celebration of easter this year so surrounding pascha this year i noticed a whole bunch of opinions surrounding church closures closures some people believe that they were being robbed of the sacraments Others believed it was a necessary precaution to keep their parents and grandparents safe. Yet something I noticed was that no side, in this kind of back-and-forth debate between these two polls, no side really represented the opinion of their interlocutors accurately. You You just think that all people deserve the sacraments, I read in one post. Others comment, other comments blasted priests uh, and bishops for completely abandoning the faithful. However, the only thought I really had with maybe the same force and conviction was, how do you have such force and conviction? The dynamic of the coronavirus is something that no one in the Western world has seen or experienced in generations. There are new revelations, you know, months into this pandemic that are showing more and more the true nature of the virus. So how in the world did all of these people have such fortified convictions about the response to a virus that they knew very little about? At the end of the day, maybe it's true, maybe the world overreacted and there was a much better option that the church had than to simply close places of worship. Maybe it will turn out that our church hierarchy had a measured response for the sake of those vulnerable and made the right move. Here's the thing. We don't know which is true. Having an opinion either way might give you a sense of security in the midst of all the drama, but what you don't have is the truth and certainty. Now, live however way that you want. Host whatever arguments you want. However, I would suggest reserving yourself for the higher ground and a better vantage. We can't have firm beliefs on things that we actually know little about. However, that being said, I have also noticed another tendency to spin our home quarantine as a good thing. This is something that I believe is in a different category Altogether from what we were just talking about. There's this sentiment that's been circulating social media that this Easter, that Pascha was, it was just different. Not bad, just different from what we're used to. This is something I very much disagree with. I don't believe that watching your computer was just different from receiving communion. I don't believe that sitting on your couch was it was just different from going to church. Our faith teaches us that the most important thing that you will ever do in your entire life is to receive the Holy Mysteries, to consume the Eucharist. It is, without a doubt, the most intimate and closest that any of us will ever be to the divine during our time on earth. Not being able to do that is not just different. It's suffering. When I woke up Easter morning, my first thought thought—it was really random. I was reminded of a news article that I had seen as a kid. And there was this old woman walking home from either you know church or the grocery store, and it was to her complete surprise that when she got home, she found a knife stuck in her back. Unknown to her, at some point on her journey home, presumably some mugger lodged, a knife in the woman's back. And when she failed to recognize what had happened, the mugger, in some maybe awkward fashion, ran off. You can only imagine the pain and the horror that must have set in only after she discovered that she had, in fact, been stabbed. She must have suffered quite a lot. I don't think that you can suffer unless you recognize it as such. Looking on the bright side isn't always looking at the right side. If we simply spin our current situation with optimism, we're maybe missing out on the point. We're maybe missing out on what God might want to accomplish in us this Easter. Suffering is a tool that God uses to further sanctify us, but that doesn't mean that it's pleasant. As C.S. Lewis was uh, quoted saying, Suffering is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I would encourage anyone to look at the Desert Fathers or the ascetics of the church to to really see this dynamic. Did all those men, those holy men, march out to the sandy dunes of Egypt and Palestine because, hey, at least then they could work on their tans? Did they consider their cave dwellings to be simply an adjacent option to the comfort of a proper bed? What else were they going to find there but struggle for the sake of sanctity? Or even think about when St. Francis received the stigmata. Did he say that the holes in his hands were just different from regular non-pierced hands? The metric of the church's decision to close churches is independent from the effects, which, to be frank, sucked a whole bunch. It continues to. It might be easier to deal with the idea uh, by just kind of painting it with optimism, but we would be inventing an illusion. It is not different; it's painful. A common rebuttal for church attendance, for attending the divine liturgy for many years, it has been: I don't need to go to a building where I can just when I can just pray at home. But now everyone is talking about how great it is to just pray at home. In my view, this is just dishonest. In my view, this is just like having those hard and fast opinions. They merely give us the sense of security, but nothing else. I think it's easier to think that the church isn't asking us to do something that will result in discomfort. But they are. This hit me hard at Jerusalem Madden's. And I heard those mournfully beautiful laments that I couldn't truly sing along with. My favorite part of Pascha, something that always is very intimate and prayerful for me, has been the veneration of the shroud on Great Friday, yet there was no shroud. And it hit me again on Easter Vigil when, well, when the live stream cut out, Sarah, my wife, just looked at me and said, Christ is risen? I could come on here and complain. I could just come on here and complain. But that would be a waste of time. So, here's my attempt to kind of maybe wrap this all up. My message today is to avoid the desire for security. Take on the challenge that is before us. Enter into the pain that the distance from a loved one creates. Allow it to be used for your deification. For your holiness, so that the grips of sin is loosened in your life and the lives of others. Embrace the discomfort. Now I'm about to quote something, just just to kind of maybe give my own argument a little more oomph. This is something that Archbishop here's his name, Archbishop Pizzabala, P-I-Z-Z-A-B-A-L-L-L-L-A Pizzabala. Awesome last name. Anyways, he's the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, and this was his address at Pascha this year. The days we are experiencing are marked by a great void—void void of rituals, void of faces, void of presences, void of contracts. Contacts. A widespread and violent pandemic has taken away our certainties, our habits, our feasts, our meetings. A fear mixed with disorientation and bewilderment has taken hold of us. We feel lost, confused, blind. We cannot read what is happening very well. We cannot see or glimpse what it will be, how we will be, how and if we will resume our life. Didn't the women on that first Easter Sunday, uh, didn't the women on that first Easter sunrise Feel that way. Weren't these the feelings of the disciples after the pain of Good Friday and the silence of Saturday? Wasn't their drama like what we are experiencing? The master's place at the table was now empty. The center that made them a community was now lost. The holy city, strange and empty, now became an enemy by weakened friendship from betrayal and infidelity." and even when a new tomb and strange hope pushed them to go out, they found themselves in front of this tomb, empty. We should therefore not escape this feeling too quickly. Educated on Good Friday and Holy Saturday, we Christians should know how to stand in the face of death, before the grave, in front of the silence of God and men. The joy of Easter is not A banal, happy end of the story of Jesus. It is not the happy end of the gospel which they all lived, nor is it the cancellation of the pain of the world or the simple removal of the many bleeding wounds of history. Easter joy, the real one, is born and consists precisely in a new ability to look at emptiness, to dialogue with pain, to see the signs of death And believe. End quote. Here I believe is the authentic Christian response to enter into the pain in order to witness to Easter joy. It's okay to say that Pascha sucked because the first one kind of did also. If you had tears in your eyes this Pascha, which I know many of you did, you're the ones, I think, who saw things more clearly. I'll end with the closing remarks from the Archbishop's homily. Brothers and sisters, from this empty sepulcher and in the emptiness we each experience in our unique way, I announce once again that Christ is living and breathes his spirit of life upon us and on the church, that this Easter is still a new creation and the chaos of the world finds order and beauty through it. And God gives us his eyes to see the good things he does for those who believe and hope in his love. This has been your dose of adios. Christos vos cres. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good day.